Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if you're listening today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And my prayer is that the message you are about to hear will help you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook. Now, get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. This morning, take your Bibles, turn back to the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12 is where we're spending our time together this morning. Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. We're continuing our journey through this ancient book. Some of you, you're here for the very first time, and you're wondering why in the world are we in the book of Malachi? I mean, who's heard of a Malachi before, right? But here at Northwood, we're the kind of church that believes every book of the Bible is significant for you and your spiritual growth because every book of the Bible is authored by God Himself. And so it's important that we study even these ancient books like Malachi that maybe otherwise we wouldn't study so we can know exactly what God is saying to his people. So Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 through 12. If you're new to the Bible, Malachi is not hard to find. It's the last book in the Old Testament. So if you'll find the first book in the New Testament, the book of Matthew, and then go back one book, you'll find yourself right there in the book of Malachi. If you don't own a Bible right before you in the book rack, you should find a copy of the Bible. Find Malachi in that Bible. If you don't own a Bible, take that Bible home with you, read it, and begin to learn about the God who loves you and desires a relationship with you. So we're here we are, and I know you're excited like I am that, you know, we're, we're 90 days, and we're done with this year, right? Praise the Lord. Maybe a little more than 90 days, but 2021, I know it's going to be better. It's got to be better, right? So not 2021, we are almost there, and I know that over the course of this year, in these interesting times in which we live, that there have been some of us that have been affected financially, I know that in our church, we've had people who've been laid off, hours have been cut at work, or whatever the case may be. That, that's been just the way it's been this year. There's an aquarium in North Carolina, and I don't know if you're like me and my family, we enjoy going to the, going to the aquarium, but there's an aquarium in North Carolina, and, and it's one of those aquariums that when you walk in the doors, they have a, a big waterfall. And, and you know what it's like when you go somewhere and you see one of those waterfalls or a fountain somewhere, you, you know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to flip your money in there. They take your, your coins and you throw your coins in there and you, I don't know, make a wish or whatever you do. And so you put your coins in the fountain. Well, this particular uh, aquarium, for years, people have come in and they've put their change in this waterfall and, and the aquarium, they have not cleaned out the waterfall as far as getting the money out of it for 14 years. Well, the aquarium closed down back in March because of the pandemic, and they have yet to reopen. Uh, and so, so it became financially a struggle for them. They were getting some donations from some individuals, but uh, they were running low. They couldn't charge admission for people to come in because they weren't open and those kinds of things. And so they decided to clean out the water fountain or the, um, the waterfall. And so they cleaned out the waterfall. It took them days to get all the coins out. They took them down to the bank. Wouldn't you love to be behind them when they went in with all those coins? And so, so they went to the bank and they, they cashed out the coins. And, and over 14 years, that uh, waterfall had collected $8,563. Makes you want to go and start robbing the fountains at the mall, right? But, but they had a, uh, no, don't do that. I'm kidding. But, but man, just they got to some desperate times. They weren't opening back up, so they did what they had to do to get some money, to get some cash, 
to cover their expenses. And I bet you there are some of us in this room that it has been tough for us. We've had a rough time financially this year because of the pandemic. You've had some unforeseen expenses or your hours have been cut at work or whatever the case may be. I want you to know this morning that your situation isn't much different than the situation that Israel faced years and years and years ago when God speaks to these people through the prophet Malachi. The ancient Israelites were experiencing tough financial times. The economy was terrible. You know the story because I've told it to you now several times as we've walked through the book of Malachi together. The people, they've come back to the land. They've rebuilt the temple. They've rebuilt the city. They're planting crops again. But they were gone away for so long. They were in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And so they're just reestablishing themselves back in the land of Israel. You can imagine the financial hardships as they're just trying to get started again. Now, here's what's interesting. In the midst of their hardship, God speaks to them. God knows their hardship. God knows their struggle. God knows that financially they're not doing well. And in the midst of their financial hardships, God says to them, give. Be generous. Open your hands up. Be generous. Now, if you're, you're you know, a regular churchgoer, or maybe you're not a regular churchgoer, wherever you find yourself in, in the Christian faith, no one likes to hear the giving message, right? I mean, that's, you, you, the last thing you want is some blonde punk of a preacher telling you what to do with your money. I get that. But, but as we walk through Scripture together, we have to deal with passages like this that, that speak to an issue that's dear to us, money. And what God says to us, even in a time like this, with what we do with our money. And so, so I think that this passage this morning, while it speaks on an issue that we, we don't really want to talk about, our finances and what we do with them, this is a passage of much hope and encouragement as we understand God's plan for the resources that he's given us. And so what I want to do with this passage of scripture this morning is I want to, I want to, I want to show you two truths, two truths that I think will help you tremendously as you consider what God would have you to do with the resources that he's given you. Malachi chapter 3 verses 6 through 12, two truths that God is speaking to you this morning about the resources you have and what you should do with those resources. Because I know I know, especially in a financial situation like we're in in our nation, giving is the last thing on some of our minds. In fact, the idea of giving to God sounds so boring when we're trying just to get by in some ways. And that's what we've talked about the last few weeks. It's easy to get bored with God and bored with his ways when they don't make sense to us. Take your Bibles, Malachi 3, verses 6 through 12. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the window of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray together. Father, 
Thank you for this morning and thank you for time and your word. And Father, I know that when we begin to talk about the financial resources that you've given us, money and wealth, it's a sensitive issue for us. And so I pray that as we hear your word this morning, you would show us your perspective on the things that you've given us and that you would help us to be a people empowered by your spirit to live lives that are open-handed, that, that says to you, God, whatever you give me, I want to use for you. What I have is yours, Lord. And so, Father, help us to think rightly uh, through, through what you're going to say this morning to us through your word and help us to respond to your word in faith and obedience and surrender. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. I love how this particular passage opens up. And, and if you've been to church much before, you've probably heard a preacher like me read this verse to you because it's such a great verse. Malachi 3, 6, God says what? For I do not change. Isn't that good? Aren't you thankful? Because let's be honest, you change, I change, we all change, sometimes for the better, a lot of times for the worse. That's just the way it is. We are all changing. I mean, Stacy and I have been married for, for 12 years now, and, and if you were to ask her if I have changed, Stacy would say, absolutely, I have changed. She would tell you I'm smarter, I'm funnier, I'm better looking. I mean, she, she knows that I've changed, right? And so, but that's, so we all change. And, and, and again, some of us do change for the good, and sometimes we change for the bad, but we all change. Israel changed. When, when, when God came to Israel on Mount Sinai and gave them the covenant, the expectations he had for them, Israel said, okay, we'll, we'll do that. We'll live for you. But they didn't. They were hot and cold in their walk with the Lord. Sometimes they walked faithfully. Sometimes they did not walk faithfully with God. They were always changing. But God did not and does not change. He was faithful to you yesterday. He's faithful to you today. He's going to be faithful to you tomorrow. He loved you yesterday. He loves you today. He will love you tomorrow. He was gracious to you yesterday. He's gracious to you today. He is gracious to you tomorrow. He never changes. And that's good news for you and me. And so, so here's the deal. Back in Genesis chapter 12, God made a promise to a man named Abraham. I'm going to make you a great nation. And and. Through your great nation, I'm making it you into all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That was the promise. Israel changed, hot and cold. But here you come to Malachi 3, 6, and God says, I don't change. I do not consume you. God should have. God should have consumed the nation of Israel. He should have wiped them off the face of the planet because of their constant rebellion against him. But he didn't. Why? Because God does not change. He made a promise to the nation of Israel and he was going to fulfill his promise to the nation of Israel just like he fulfills every promise he makes to you. God does not change. This is good news. So God says, I don't change. But then he says something else. He says, I don't change. And then he looks at the nation of Israel and he speaks to the prophet Malachi and he says this, return to me, come back to me. And, and if you were in ancient Israel and you're hearing these words for the very first time, you would have scratched your head, come back to you. God, what do you mean come back to you? I mean, we're right here. We came out of captivity. 
We came out of Babylon. You let us out of Babylon. We're back in the land. We've rebuilt the temple. We've rebuilt our city. We're worshiping you again in the temple. We're bringing sacrifices. What do you mean return? We've returned to you. But you know it's true like I do. You can be around the things of God all day long, can't you? And still be far away from God. You can come to church every Sunday, can't you? But still be distant in your relationship with him. You can do church things and still not walk in intimacy with the Lord. I don't know if you saw it this, this past Friday. Stacy and I were heading down I-26, going back towards our house. The boys were at school. We were heading home real quick and then going to pick up the boys from school. And, and, and so, so as we were riding down I-26, heading towards the Somerville exit, I looked out the window and saw a sight that I had never seen before in my life, an airplane. But not any airplane. Maybe you saw it too as you were riding down I-26 about 2 o'clock on Friday afternoon. I saw Air Force One. Did you see it? I don't know why it was flying over Charleston, but it was. And so, so I looked out, and I, and I couldn't believe it. Right? I had to do a double tape because, you know, I didn't know Air Force One was flying over Charleston. I'd never seen Air Force One before, but, but it was unmistakable. You could see the 747 and, and, and the way it's painted, and, and it was definitely Air Force One. Donald Trump was flying over my head, right? And it was, it was awesome. And so, 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 so I turned to my wife, and I said what you would have said to the person sitting next to you in the vehicle. I said, Stacy, get out your camera. You got to take a picture because no one's going to believe this, right? Take a picture. And so she gets out. Now, mind you, Stacy is, is somewhat of an amateur photographer. In fact, back when we uh, uh, lived in uh, North Augusta, I sent her to photography school. She took classes. I paid for her, paid for her to take <laughs> photography classes. And so she got her phone out and she snapped a picture. I'm so proud of this picture because I wanted you to believe it, that we saw Air Force One. You ready? Here's the picture she took. Yeah, right? Yeah. If you look back there, there's an airplane right there. That's all I got. That's all I got. That's my only memory of Donald Trump, right? But, but I tell you that to tell you this. Donald Trump flew down I-26. I saw him. I have never in my life been that close to a president. Right? Never. And Stacy blew the opportunity. Nobody ever, will ever know now. But, but I've never in my life been that close to a president. But here's what I know. While I was close to him, kind of, while I was close to him, kind of, as he flew over my head, he's got no idea who I am. He could care less about who I am, right? I was close, but far away. Listen, that's where some of us are in our walk with the Lord. Close, but far away. You're around the things of God, but, you, but because of your own heart, not because of God, because God is always there saying, return to me. But you constantly, I constantly make the choice to be far away from him even when I look like I'm close to him, if that makes any sense to you, right? And here was the evidence. This is so interesting. Here was the evidence that the people were far away from God. God says, return to me. The people say, Re return to you? We're right here. What do you mean return to you? And God says, here's how I know you're far from, from me. I know you're far from me because of your lack of giving your lack of giving. Now, that, that's interesting to me. That, that when, when, when God looks at the nation of Israel, the evidence of their distance from him was their lack of 
generosity. And so you walk forward in the passage and, and you see what, what God says. He says, bring the whole tithe. The story. This is how you've robbed me. You've held back. You've held back the tithes and contributions. Bring it to the storehouse. Now, I, I need to help you understand this. And, and I know for some of you, this isn't new information. You, you probably know this. But what a tithe was in Old Testament times, it was a command. A command that God gave his people. That they were to give 10% of what they had to God at the temple. 10%. Uh, that could have been, you know, money. It could have been grain, livestock. It was 10% of what they had. And so here's what would happen. You would bring it to the temple. And at the temple, there was literally storerooms. You can read about this in Nehemiah chapter 9 when someone abuses one of the storerooms of the temple. But, but there were these storerooms and you would bring your grain offering or whatever it was. You would bring that, that 10%, that tithe to the temple and it was put in the storeroom. You know why? Because there were a group of people called the Levites. If you remember, the Levites were the tribe of Israel from which the priest came. And so you had priests that would serve at the temple, but not only priests, there were others in that tribe, a Levite, whose responsibilities were to serve at the temple. How are the people, the Levites, taken care of? Through the tithe. So you brought your tithe to the storehouse so that the people, the Levites, could be taken care of. And that's the way it worked. But, but it wasn't happening. The people were robbing God. You don't want God to call you a thief. But that's exactly what they were doing. They were robbing God by not giving to God. Now watch this, what was rightly his. Here's the problem we get into, right? And here's the first truth I want you to see from this passage of scripture. You need to know what belongs to God. The nation of Israel failed to realize what belonged to God. Do you know what belongs to God, church? Everything. Everything. I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. That's basic Christianity. That's Christianity 101. But some of us haven't gotten past the 101, have we? Because we fail on a daily basis to remember that everything we have, financially, the gifts he's given us, the talents, the abilities, no matter what it is, everything belongs to him. Why does it belong to him? Because he made it. He created it. He reigns and rules over it all. Everything belongs to God. So what you have in your bank account right now, it don't belong to you. It belongs to him because he gave you the ability to earn that wealth. He gave you the job to provide for your family. Everything ultimately belongs to him. And so, so knowing that, knowing that, that everything I have belongs to God. Now watch this. I can't give excuses for stinginess. I can't look at God and say, God, you know what? I hear you that I'm supposed to give and be generous with my time and with my money. I hear that, but God, you don't understand. You don't understand my situation right now. You don't understand the economy right now. You don't understand. You see, you, you can't give excuses for stinginess and you can't get greedy with his resources because they're not yours, they're his. And you know what greed is? Greed is this overwhelming obsession with stuff. I gotta have more. I've got to have more. And greed happens when? Greed happens when you believe the world instead of God. When you believe that the world tells you the more I gain, the more satisfied you will be. Instead of believing God who says, no, no, open your hands up to me and watch me bless you. You see? And so, so I can't give excuses for stinginess. I can't get greedy with his resources. And, and if I know that everything I have belongs to God, I can't resent God for wanting me to use his resources his way because you and I do this too, don't we? Some of you in this room, I know you did. 
Last week you worked, and you worked hard. You worked 50, 60 hours. You came home tired every night. And then a preacher like me stands up here and tells you to give money to the church? Come on. I worked hard for my money. You don't know the hours I put in. It belongs to me. But that's just not the way it works. Because Christianity 101, basic faith in Jesus Christ, understands that everything on this earth ultimately belongs to God. And since everything belongs to God, now watch this. If everything does indeed belong to God, which it does, then he has every single right to tell you and to tell me what to do with the stuff that he's given us. That's Christianity 101. That's just the way it works, right? So you need to know what belongs to God. But, but there's, here's the second truth that we're going to get into this morning. You also need to know what belongs to you. Oh, this is so good. What belongs to God? Everything. What belongs to you? Now watch this. Come on in close. You, you don't want to miss this. Come here, come here. You know what belongs to you? <laughs> the promises of God. Isn't that good? We've already seen one in this passage. Verse six, I do not change. Now that, that's not just a promise, that's a fact. That's a fact that, that God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But it's also a promise, is it not? That the, the God who does not change, he will never change in his love for you. That's a promise. He will never change in his mercy towards you. That's a promise. He will never change in his grace towards you, his forgiveness towards you. That will never change. That's a promise. There, there was a, a guy named... Everett Storm. He was a, he was a, a school teacher and, and he had read through the Bible 27 times. And as he was finishing up his last few times reading the Bible all the way through, he was so overwhelmed with the promises of God that he saw in Scripture that he wanted to count them. He wanted to count how many actual promises of God there were in the Bible. Now, I don't know if he's ex accurate. He might have missed a few here or there. But he counted up 8,810 promises of God in the Bible. Isn't that good? And all those promises, now watch this, all those promises are for you. Promises that God has made for you, for your hope and for your future. You see? And in this passage, God makes a promise, I do not change. But there's another one, and, and you probably picked up on it when we read through the passage a few moments ago. Look at what it says. You come down and you look, for example, uh, at verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open, this is the promise, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you. And you come down, verse 12, then all the nations will call you blessed. You see the promises there? Now, here's what's interesting. You might want to underline that phrase in your Bible where, where God says in verse 10, put me to the test, because that's an interesting phrase. You know that God tests us. You think back to Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, um, God comes to Abraham, and the writer of Genesis, Moses, he says in 22.1, and God tested Abraham. You think about the, the, the Hebrew people, when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, God tested them over and over again. You think about what Peter says, the apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, your faith, the genuineness of your faith is being tested by fire. You think about James chapter 1. James says, when you go through various trials and struggles, 
Consider it all joy. This idea that God tests you through trials and struggles. All throughout Scripture, do we not? We see examples of how God tests the genuineness of the faith of his people. What we don't see in Scripture, with the exception of right here, what we don't see in Scripture is God saying to us, you test me. In fact, this is the only place in the entire Bible where God says, test me. And it's interesting to me that the only place where God says in the entire Bible to test him is in the area of generosity and what you do with your money. That's wild, huh? But look at what he says. God says, test me and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. Now that's an interesting phrase to open up the windows of heaven because in ancient days, what they literally believed is that when it rained, that was God opening up the windows. Like kind of like you open the window of your car in a storm and the water comes in, right? That was the idea. When, when it rained, God was rolling down the windows of heaven, right? And, and the rain was coming in. And so, so, so what God is saying to the, his people, test me. Give. Open up your hands. Be generous with what I've given you and see if I don't. Open up the windows of heaven and bless you like the oncoming rains. Isn't that good? And if you think about it, what this sounds like is the heart of a father who knows that if his children would just do what he says to do, they would be blessed. In fact, if you think about it, back in uh, the first chapter of Malachi, God reminded his people that he was their father. And you've said things like this to your children before. And if you'll just do it this way, your life would go so much better. You've said that every day of your life as a parent because you want the best for your kids. Not only do you want the best for your kids, what do you want? You want to bless your kids. Your kids, amen, they do some boneheaded things, right? Every day. But you still inspire that want to bless your kids. We went um, Friday night after I had my interaction with Donald Trump. We, we, went, to, um, we went to the St. John's football game. My, my boys go to St. John's Christian Academy up in Muck's Corner. It's a great little school. It's not a big school at all. I mean, from kindergarten through 12th grade, they might have 300 total students. And they, they have a football team. And, and, and we've never been to a football game. They've been going to St. John's since we moved here to the Charleston area. And, but we've never been to a football game before at St. John's because it's just a, a small school and the, the stands hold about 125 people and so so we just haven't made a priority to go to the game but they've been wanting to go to a football game and so so we decided to go Friday night to the St. John's football game and so we we left our house game started at 7 30 we left our house at seven o'clock and I don't know if you remember Friday but but here in the Charleston area uh, by seven o'clock it had already rained I don't know 17 inches right and so so we 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 got in the car and as we got in the car we could see it the, the rain had died off a little bit, but, but man, there was so much lightning Friday night. You remember that? You walked out and just, just big lightning, like a lighting up the sky kind of lightning. And so we're riding to the game knowing that the game's probably going to be canceled because they're not going to play in the lightning. So we thought, and so we, we got there at, right around 7.15, 7.20, and they told us, hey, we're going to postpone the game till 8 o'clock to see if um, uh, the lightning will go away. And so we waited there. We got outside. We waited. And I don't know when it was the last time you went to a football game in, in the rain and the lightning, but it's not fun. And so it's raining, we're getting wet, there's lightning, we think we're going to die. And, and so, so, so 8 o'clock rolls around, and the team they were playing had driven in from four hours away. And so they're like, we're going to play this game. Like, I just want to go home. But I made a promise to my kids. And so, so, so 9 o'clock comes around, the game hadn't started yet. 9.22, kickoff. Now, let me just tell you what usually happens in my life at 9.22 at night. 
I mean, I'm, I'm already on, I've, I'm already on my first nap, and I'm tucked into bed, and I'm, I'm fast asleep. Like, I, I just don't do nighttime. Like, when the, I, I believe my parents when they told me as a kid, when the street light comes on, there's nothing good out there. So I just kind of live by that. And, and so, 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 so 9:22, they're playing football, and, and it's raining. There's lightning. It's miserable. 11 o'clock, we finally leave. I mean, it, it was terrible. But why did we do it? Because my kids want to go to a football game. I mean, that's it. You know this as parents. Sometimes you just do whatever because you want to bless your kids. Even if they don't deserve it, you'll do whatever it takes because you really do want to bless your kids. And this is the God that you serve because you don't deserve the blessings of God, but he wants to bless you. In fact, he says, you do it my way. You live my way. Test me. Go ahead, open up your hands, give. Be generous with the resources that I've given you and watch and see if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. And he says, look, look at what he says. He says, one, I'm gonna provide for you. There's not gonna be any more need. It's similar to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, right? When Jesus said what? Don't worry about today or tomorrow or what it holds. If I can take care of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, I can take care of you too. Don't worry. Open up your hands. Live by faith. Trust me. Give as I lead you to give, right? He said, I'm going to protect you. Your land's not going to be devoured. Your crops aren't going to be destroyed. And he said, I'm going to give you a reputation. All the people of the earth are going to see how you are blessed. They're going to see you as a blessed people. So come on, he says, test me and see. Test me and see if I don't bless you. Now, I know that that TV preacher is late at night like to take this verse way out of context and say, if you send in your $50 a month seed, God will give you a Lexus in return. That's not what he's saying, right? He's not saying that. But God is saying that when you open up your life to him, when you open up your hands to him, you've got a God who's more than able to take care of you. So why not? So why not give? Let me tell you why you don't give. Let me tell you, if you struggle with this, let me tell you why, why you don't put God to the test. Let me tell you why you don't open your hands because you have the tendency, and we've talked about this before, you have a tendency to, to believe three lies all the time. One, you believe that the more you gain, the more satisfied you will be. But you know that's not true because some of you have gained. You got that bass boat you dreamed of, right? You got that umpteenth million pair of shoes you had to have. You got it. And you're not any more satisfied with life than you were before you had it. You know it's a lie. Or think about this. The more I gain, the more secure I will be. How often do you believe that lie? That I can build my retirement up and I can retire at 65 or 67 and I've got my 401k maxed out. I'll be okay. I'll be secure. But you know it like I do. Everything you have can be gone like that. Your security is not in your wealth. Or think about this. You believe this lie. The more I gain, the more impressive I will be. Because when you finally own that 3,000 square foot house, or when you finally drive that, that you know, $70,000 car onto the campus, people are going to look at you and say, man, look at what he's accomplished. Look at, look at what she's accomplished. You think the more you have, the more impressive you will be. But it's just not true. And so I want to challenge you to replace these three lies with two truths. Two truths to combat those lies that you so often believe. First truth is simply this, and this is so easy stuff. You know this. The more I give, the more the kingdom grows. That's truth. The more you give, the more God's kingdom grows. And God's kingdom growing is far more important than your 401k growing. Right? Because what's at stake 
is eternity for people. And so the more you give, the more his kingdom grows. And if you think about it, now watch this. The greatest giver of all is the God of all creation. He gave because he loves you. He gave his son, Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says this. Though he was rich, speaking of Jesus, <laughs> he became poor. He had everything. And he stepped out of eternal heaven and stepped into this broken world and lived as a man of poverty, mocked, ridiculed, and went to a cross and died as a bankrupt man died being accused by people of blasphemy, died being ridiculed on a cross. But when he died, Jesus died with his hands open for you, giving you what you do not deserve, his life in exchange for yours. When he died on the cross, he gave you, if you'll believe in him, complete forgiveness of sins. As he died on the cross with his hands wide open, he gave you what? Complete access to the God of all creation, a way to be saved. Talk about the greatest giver ever. The greatest giver ever is Jesus Christ himself who died the death that you deserve, who took your sin punishment on himself and then rose from the dead three days later, opening up the way for you to have life abundant and eternal if you'll believe in him and place your faith in him. And this morning, for some of you in this room, for the very first time, you need to accept the greatest gift from the greatest giver ever the free gift of salvation by turning from your sins and believing they died in your place and rose again today, you can experience the best gift you'll ever receive if you'll believe. It's for you, completely free for you. And all you have to do is receive it by faith, believing in him and turning your life over to him, right? The more I give, the more the kingdom grows. As Jesus gave his life for you, oh, the kingdom grows. And it still grows as people understand what Jesus Christ has done. The kingdom grows as you participate in the mission of God, as you join God on mission and open up your hands and you imitate the life of Jesus by giving of yourself, whether it's time, fi your finances, your abilities. You see, the more you give, the more the kingdom grows. And you know this too, the more you give, the more you grow. Because let's just be honest, you've learned much just through giving. You've learned much by sacrificing. In those moments when you gave, when it didn't make sense to give, you learned to trust God. In those moments when you gave, when it didn't make sense to give, you learned that God was your provider. When those moments you gave, when it didn't make sense to give, you learned what it means to sacrifice. The more you give, it's just the way it works. The more you give, the more you grow in your faith. And so you, you, you want to believe the lies that the more you gain, the more successful, satisfied you be, you'll be. The more you gain, the more impressive you'll be. The more you gain, whatever. But, but here's the truth. The more you give, the more the kingdom grows. And the more you give, the more you grow. And so, so here, here it is. We're in our time together. What do you do? What do you do? If you're struggling this morning with opening your hands up, what do you do to start being faithful in your giving? Let me, let me just give you a few things when we'll be done. One, think about this it does really start with rearranging your priorities. That there is a conviction that needs to take place deep in your heart where you know that everything belongs to God and because it does, and because the promises of God belong to me, I'm gonna open my hands up for him. A conviction, a conviction that nothing is more valuable in this life 
than a life lived well with open hands toward the kingdom of God. You see? And I, I know what some of you might be asking, well, should I tithe like they did back in the Old Testament? I mean, 10%, are you serious? 10% of my money? I mean, is it, we're in the New Testament now. We don't do that anymore, right? We don't, we don't tithe because after all, we're New Testament people. And, and didn't Jesus do away with the Old Testament law? Yes. But here's reality. What Jesus gave you was grace. He gave you what you didn't deserve. And, and, and just here's what, what I've learned over my years of following Jesus. The more I understand grace, the more I understand what was given to me at the cross of Christ, through his death and resurrection, the more I want to open my hands up to him and say, God, it's yours. And so for me, this is what happen, has happened in my life. Are we in the New Testament? Yes. But, but grace is always going to compel me to do more than what the Old Testament required. And so for me, this is where I'm at. And this is where I think you need to be too. For me, 10% is where I start. And as God leads me, I do more. And, 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 and think about it. The bulk of my giving, now the church isn't a storehouse. We don't have silos here, storing grain and all that. But, but, but here's what I do believe about the church. God has determined to use his church to accomplish his mission. And so since I believe that God uses a church like Northwood to accomplish his mission, the bulk of my giving, not all of it, but the bulk of my giving, the majority of it, at least 10% of my giving goes right here. Because I believe that this is what God uses to reach the world. Now, there are others that we give to. Stacy and I, we give to uh, the Life Choice Pregnancy Center. We give to some missionary friends. And so we, we do more than the local church. But the bulk of our giving goes right here. Because we believe that God works through his church to accomplish his mission. And so that's a priority issue. That makes sense. That's a conviction, a deep down conviction, a conviction that personally I've held like since college. I saw my parents model this for me. I saw my parents uh, live this out and then I became convicted for myself in the word of God. And so since college, which was, you know, for me five years ago. So since college, since college, I've been faithfully giving to my local church. And then when Stacey and I got married, she had that same conviction. And so over the years, and I'm, I'm just giving you a testimony here. This is not to brag, it's just to give you a testimony. Over the years, we've done this, right? And, and because of that, now watch this, we've had to stay financially healthy. The reason why some of you can't give like you might want to is because your finances stink, right? You've got so much debt, you just don't know what to do. But years ago, you know, I determined, Stacy determined that we were going to do what? Simple math. Budget. It works, right? We were going to spend, this is going to blow your mind. Watch. Spend less than we make. Right? Amen? We made a decision that we weren't going to take on tons of debt. The only debt we have is a house note. Those were decisions. And why do we make those decisions? Because of this, priorities. Because we want to give freely to the kingdom. And so we made conscious decisions to be wise for our finances so we could do what we believe God's calling us to do. You see what I'm saying? And so it, it took a belief, right? Are you, are you, are you with me? It took a belief and, that, and, and, and living out that belief takes what? Discipline. But here's what's happened. And again, I just want to tell you because it's testimony. We're like many of you. We're a middle-class family. We're not wealthy. 
We're a single income home. Stacy doesn't work, but I've been trying to tell her to get a job, but that's another story for another day. But, 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 but we're a single income family, right? But, but here's what's happened over the years. Because we've been disciplined, we've been able over the years to grow in our generosity. Now, it's, it's not uncommon for me to be out and about and see someone in need and to give them a couple hundred dollars. I couldn't have done that 15 years ago or 20 years ago, but because I've disciplined myself over the years, God has watched this. God has opened up the windows of heaven for my family. I'm still not rich. I'm far from it. But I'm able to be generous because of my conviction and because of the habits we've put in place. And, and on those days when I see someone in need and I give them a couple hundred dollars because that's what I feel like the Lord's leading me to do at that moment, I'll come home and say, Stacy, guess what? I, I saw this family out today and I knew they had need and, and I gave them a couple hundred dollars. You know what Stacy doesn't say? I was gonna get a new pair of shoes. What were you thinking? No, she doesn't say that. Why doesn't she say that? Because we're on the same page. What she says is, that's awesome. Praise God. I'm glad we could help. Why? Again, it goes back to this, because there was, there's a priority for us. And again, this is just testament. I'm not saying this to brag, but we made a decision long ago what our priority was going to be based off what? Based off the grace that Christ has shown us. Why wouldn't we open our hands up? And because of that priority, we've tried to stay financially healthy. Like Dave Ramsey's our best friend kind of thing, right? And, and then and for you, this is where you need to start this morning. Some of you need to rearrange your priorities. And you need to start getting financially healthy. You need to take a Dave Ramsey class. And, and because I'm generous, I'll pay for it. Seriously, if, if, if that's you and you, you're in a mess, come see me. I'll, 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 I'll make that happen for you. But not everybody, because I can't afford that. <laughs> three, three, set some realistic goals. It's so simple, right? You might not be where you want to be right now. But as you rearrange your priorities and you start to get financially healthy, start setting some goals. You might not be able to open your hands up right now and give 10, 12, 15, 20% of your income away. But you'll be able to someday. But you got to start somewhere. You can't stay in the same place you are, right? You can't keep robbing God. You got to start and say, God, I'm going to be faithful. And just watch. I, I promise you, if you'll just start the process of rearranging your priorities and, and getting financially healthy and setting some goals, you'll be amazed at what God begins to do in your life right now to get you to that place where he wants you to be. And finally, man, listen, what I've learned over the years, it's all a spirit thing. Rely on the spirit. It's the spirit who can change your attitude towards your wealth. It's the spirit who can empower you to walk by faith and change your priorities and get financially healthy. And listen, listen, hear my heart. And I know I'm out of time, but when we talk about money, you got to talk a long time, right? But listen to my heart. I'm not telling you these things because our church needs more of your money. This church is financially healthy. Praise the Lord. And that's because of you. I'm telling you these things because this is the word of God. And God is a good father who wants to bless his children. But he ain't gonna bless you like he desires to if you're constantly robbing from him. So make the tough decisions. Rearrange your priorities. Get healthy financially. Talk to me if you need some extra help. I'll buy one of you the... Dave Ramsey thing and, and set some goals. We'll get you, we'll help you get there. Just walk by faith. And so as we close our time together this morning, just a couple of things. One, maybe this morning you're here and the reason why your heart is not a heart of generosity is because you have never personally met the God of generosity. 
And maybe there's someone in this room this morning that for the very first time, what you need to do is believe that the greatest gift you will ever receive is the gift of salvation. And maybe this morning, for some of us in this room, it's time. It's time that you gave your life to Jesus, believing that he died in your place and rose again so you could have life abundant and eternal and forgiveness of sins. This morning, I'll be down front. And if that's you, I'd love to talk to you about how you can begin a relationship with Jesus. There'll be people at the crosses in the corners of this room. They would love to pray with you and help you begin a relationship with Jesus. If you're watching online, you can text us. Our text number should pop up on the screen. You can text us. Somebody will reach out to you. We would love to help you begin a relationship with Jesus. We want you to have a relationship with Jesus because when you have a relationship with Jesus, he'll change your heart in such a way that he'll make you a giver. And maybe you're here this morning, you have a walk with Jesus, but you've gotten, you've kind of gotten behind. You've kind of gotten away from being generous. And maybe this morning, God is challenging you to rearrange your priorities. The Spirit of God is speaking to you and you know how you need to respond. This morning, respond. You want to come down front and pray and ask God to help you to respond? You come. You begin to trust God and you begin to make those daily decisions, being realistic about your finances, getting healthy, rearranging your priorities, and you watch God transform your heart. However God is leading you respond this morning, you respond to him as we have a time of invitation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for time together in your word. And Father, I know none of us really like to talk about money. But Father, I thank you for the promises of your word that when we do talk about these things and we're honest with ourselves and honest before you and then we start to obey what you say, Father, your kingdom goes forward. Lives are forever changed through the generosity of your people. Our lives are changed. We grow. We learn to trust. We, we learn about your generosity. We learn about how you give faithfully to us. And so, Father, for every person in this room this morning, I pray that we would experience the joy of being generous people. Whatever that looks like, what that means, that you would help us with that. And Father, I pray especially this morning for that person who might be watching online or that person who might be sitting in this room this morning who has never placed his or her faith in Jesus. I pray that person will come and trust you as Lord for the very first time. So have your way now, I ask, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Rise your feet as a time of invitation together. You come now as the Spirit of God leads you.